thank you for joining us. It is popcorn for breakfast. It is maybe Thursday if you're listening to this on the first day that it dropped, which, by the way, thank you if you are. Otherwise, it's some other day, and we're, th- we're also still thankful for you for, your, for listening. Um, with me, as always, your co-host, Kirk. Nice. Kirk has uh, is feeling in the spooky season vibes. He's got the full moon behind him. He's, he's turned into a full werewolf. If you're not watching the video, you can't see this, but he is actually transformed into a, a real life werewolf. He's got he's foaming at the mouth. It's it's horrific. <laughs> the noises got so strange there for a second, but I like it. Um, I am your other co-host, Cam, and the reason that Kirk is snarling and and spitting everywhere is we are reviewing um, something. This is a review episode. Usually I would say it's a movie review episode. I don't know if I could say that this time. This is a review of what they're calling a special presentation, which is such a weird... Yeah. That's such a weird, like... They didn't call it a TV special. They didn't call it a you know, short, I don't know, like a, like a TV movie or anything. They called it Marvel Studios Special Presentation, Werewolf by Night. Yes, on IMDb, it is classified as a TV special, but TV specials aren't possible anymore because we don't sit around the four to five networks that are the only form of art, art uh, to be broadcasted to our living rooms. Like, yeah. we have a gajillion. So, it's a very weird thing. It's it's hard to actually name or categorize. And here's a question. And this is just pure ignorance on my part. Can it be a TV special if it's not linked to an existing show? I mean, I guess it can because there's like frosty. The snowman was a TV special. There wasn't like a frosty show, but I always think of a TV special as like a longer specific episode of a show that already exists, like a Brady Bunch special where they all go to Hawaii or whatever. That's what I think of. Yeah. I think that back in the day, and sorry for everyone who I'm referencing uh, as your childhood, uh, but I feel like because there wasn't enough uh, big box money to just produce, 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 uh, there weren't enough theaters around, there weren't the right avenues that they did have these television specials where specifically like later like in the 70s and 80s they had the after school tv movie right that was its own kind of special but it was still classified as a tv movie but before that i think there were several uh properties that were kind of like this um that you had someone a character that you knew such as the werewolf uh the invisible man uh and you know the list keeps going so Hopefully we can have someone who uh, listens to this maybe reach out to us and kind of give us a classification so we can either have you on air or uh, read the, read what you write to us as well. That would be helpful. Yeah, I want to know. I want to know what the rules are for something to be called a television special. But for whatever reason, and for better or worse, Marvel has decided to classify their special, Werewolf by Night, as special presentation. So I, I, I just, as soon as I heard that for the first time, I think it was at, uh, surely not D23. Did they talk about it at Comic-Con? Maybe maybe, maybe it was D23. But the first time they it said that, I was like, 
Wow, that is a weird title, but hey, you know, these are unprecedented times here. We've got specials going straight to streaming, so um, there you have it. But we're going to be talking about it, and if you didn't listen to our podcast from earlier this week where I kind of teased this, we will be talking full spoilers because there are, you know, hundreds of millions of subscribers of Disney+, Plus. meaning if you're listening, you probably have access to this, and you should watch it prior to listening to this review. It is only 54 minutes long, and, and I don't know, like four minutes of that is credit, so it's really like 50 minutes long. So it's like watching an episode of your favorite TV drama. Um, it's real quick, and I highly recommend doing that before listening for the best overall experience. But... With that said, and now we will let the spoilers fly, if if there are any major spoilers, I guess. Um, I can't even really totally think of any off the top of my head. But without further ado, let me start off by synopsing this, by providing a brief synopsis of uh, Werewolf by Night. So what's interesting is that the this is probably the... It, it's, it's one of the most obscure things that has come out of Marvel Studios, but the concept is so straight to the brain. That's that's what I love about it. It's really like, it's a group of monster hunters who have gathered at uh, the home of of the their leader. You know, they, they sort of have this monster hunting guild that they're in, and they've gathered at the home of Ulysses Bloodstone for his funeral because he has passed away, and now it is time to determine who the Bloodstone, which is a, uh, you know, like an ancient gem relic type of thing that has specific powers of its own, including um, it has detrimental effects on monsters. Uh, they're trying to determine where the Bloodstone will be passed. Now, typically it would be passed to next of kin, um, which in this case would be Ulysses' daughter, Elsa Bloodstone, who's played by Laura Donnelly. Um, but because she was sort of... Uh, ostracized from the family, banished from the family, I suppose, or at, at the very least estranged from the family, she has forfeited her right to the Bloodstone. And so now it will be determined by a ceremonial hunt in which all of these monster hunters gather and they will hunt a monster and each other um, to determine who is the last person standing and who gets the Bloodstone and gets to be the leader of this guild. Um, there are a number of hunters, one of which is a character whose name we only hear as Jack, um, and that's played by Gail Garcia Bernal, and it is revealed later on that he is a werewolf. So that is the overarching concept. I don't think there's anything else I need to go into before we start chopping this thing up. Kirk, what do you think? Yes, the Bloodstone, the seventh Infinity Stone for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Right? It's like, here we go again. We've got stones. Here's the bloodstone. <laughs> um, but no, I was like, so I, this is, so Werewolf by Night, and, and a lot of like Marvel's monstery stuff is not what I'm most well-versed in when it comes to Marvel comics. I have read some stuff where it's like Dracula meets Deadpool and stuff like that. Like, so... It, I've I've seen stuff like that and certainly Morbius and things like that, but um, really this isn't my strongest suit. And so Elsa Bloodstone ended up being one of my favorite characters in the game Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3. And so I read a couple of comics around this and around the Bloodstone family. So as soon as 
they started talking about the Bloodstone, I was like, hey, I actually like I felt like Captain America and Avengers. Like I understood that reference. And uh, <laughs> I was excited to see Elsa Bloodstone and and get back into this world that I only visited briefly, but it, it was a it was a welcome sight. So exciting. That's stuff. wonderful. I as I'm thumbing through my father's uh, comic book collection that I inherited from him or rather stole from him when I was twelve, I have noticed there are a couple of werewolf comics from, from yeah, the man. original kind of print from uh, from the sixties and uh, I, I have not picked them back up. They're already bagged and boarded, but I feel like maybe I should do that tonight after we review this bad boy. Yes. That's that's the great thing about comics, at least I think, is they've been around for so long and they've gone so many different directions that there's so much weird stuff that like even within these big comic houses like Marvel and DC, there's just so many weird things that they have explored over the years. And some of that stuff works like, like, like this, like werewolf and um, some of the other characters that they came up with over the years. So uh, it's exciting. I'm excited to have some of the more obscure stuff making its way onto the screen, even if it is a special presentation rather than a show or a movie, but Let's get into it, Kirk. Let's start as we always do, talking about our acting performances. Um, I am going to kick us off with my first award and the Oscar goes to, and I'm giving it to Mr. Gail Garcia Bernal, um, who I have really enjoyed for a long time. I really enjoy his performances. I think I was first acquainted with him in the Amazon Prime series Mozart in the Jungle, um, for which I, I believe he won a couple of Emmys for that show. He's a very gifted actor, and he is playing Jack Russell. So if you're familiar with the Marvel comics, Jack Russell is werewolf, and um, he has a pretty interesting comic book history. But I love what he did with this performance. He just totally, you know, as the kids would say, understood the assignment um, as he immediately sort of makes his presence known amongst this whole group of hunters, the very first dialogue that he's having with this guy who is like the hunter of all hunters, you know, he's got 57 monster kills. He's got this thick, like Scottish accent and he's talking to um, Gail Garcia Bernal's Jack. And it, there's this great energy between them where it's like, the, the Scottish guy knows that he's a hunter, but he's he's giving off like no hunter energy at all. Like he's he seems timid. He seems like he doesn't really know what's going on, but he's kind of trying to show that he's meant to be there. He's like, yeah, I've, you know, I fought that guy before lots of times. He's never looked more alive. And he's like, yeah, I've got 100 kills, whatever. Well, you know, we come to find out later that it's because he's a werewolf. And so his, his human part of his body is or his being is not aware of his exploits as a hunter, as a werewolf. And so there's this great sort of Jekyll and Hyde dichotomy. And so he's aware of the fact that he is a werewolf, but he doesn't know what happens while he's in his werewolf form. Um, and Gail Garcia Bernal does such a great job of masking that, giving us little tidbits, little pieces of information, and just delivering a really thoughtful, nuanced, um, lovely performance and a fun performance he he builds a really cool character in this 54 minutes that i just was like as soon as it was over i was craving more i wanted more jack russell um i think marvel bagged a seriously talented gifted actor and are very fortunate to have him in the fold um and and i can't wait to see more so 
Gail Garcia Bernal, great job. Uh, really enjoyed it. It might be very difficult to not have the exact same answers on Oscar goes to and scene stealer cam, considering there really are only two main characters. One else uh, is a player in their game and get, and either is CGI or died. And yep. we'll, we'll see if, if it pans out, but absolutely. Gail Garcia Bernal is my winner as well. Fun fact. When I was looking up his filmography, he actually voiced Hector in uh, Pixar's, Coco. I did not know that. Yeah. I, I don't know. It escaped me. He's a great singer, too. Me. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. But absolutely, what an easy win for this. I mean, uh, also, he definitely gets uh, typecast in a, always a dramatic role. I would say a very serious man on a mission role. And there was a lot of playfulness in this. Um, if you think of the name, his very name, Jack Russell, Jack Russell Terrier, uh, that his name is derived from as he is uh, is a, an actual wolf, right? He is a werewolf. I think that's just good fun, right? That goes into the campiness of the, of the scope of what this special movie presentation is (laughs) i like that that wasn't like lost on anything that it that it still stayed true and they weren't like no we're just gonna call him jack or maybe we'll call him mr russell no they lean into it um with with the paint on his face and uh and the the full-fledged makeup which we'll get to in a little while here i just thought that his 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 uh lack of a threat throughout the movie the physicality of him like oh look at me i'm, I'm just here you know I'm, I'm i'm just here to to maybe win the bloodstone uh total underdog oh, all puns intended in this and he killed it he he conveyed it and i'm super happy for him in this role yes dude it's uh it's it's all good all around and it's it's probably a good time to mention that this movie was or or the special was directed by michael giacchino who if you recognize that name, you probably recognize it as a composer. He's composed, you know, uh, over a hundred scores to huge films. Wow. I mean, like major Disney movies. He's done huge, uh, you know, he's done the Spider-Man movies. He's, he's done incredible things. Like go look at his list of credits. I love his scores. I I'm always excited to see Michael Giacchino or music by Michael Giacchino when the credits roll. Um, he's great. I knew from Twitter that he was dabbling in directing some films. He directed a short, uh, back in 2018 that I watched called monster challenge. And I was so interested because you just, you don't really see directors or you don't really see composers dabble in the directing world. So I was following him on Twitter as he was kind of going through the festival process with that film. And I just thought it was so cool. Um, so when they announced that he was the one directing this, I was like, man, this is awesome. And, I love I love the approach that he took with it. I think that we'll we'll obviously get into it more later, but I think he did a, a really good job directing his actors, um, particularly Gail Gail Garcia Bernal, to make sure the the viewer is right in the palm of your hand that we're not giving away too much too early and that they're asking the right questions because as a viewer you should be asking at the beginning, why does this guy seem like he doesn't know what's going on? Why does he seem like he is not someone with a killer instinct. Um, and and then that question is answered later. So I thought they did a really good job in concert with one another. Um, okay, moving on to Scene Stealer. As Kirk said, really limited cast here. And there's really limited spoken dialogue amongst the cast too. So there aren't that many choices. But I have to go with Laura Donnelly who played Elsa Bloodstone. Um, I thought she was magnificent. And I think that this character could be a really 
cool and interesting fixture in the Marvel Cinematic Universe to come should they give her the chance to brush elbows with the others. I think both of these characters bring a really nice new sort of flavor into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. They don't feel... um, I don't want to say tainted, but I love the fact that they're so untouched by the rest of the Marvel universe and they feel so detached from it. They don't feel, you know, brought down by it or saturated in it uh, because they feel so fresh and, and their, their motives and their, uh, their drives, everything that, that goes into who these characters are is so specific to their little world and not specific to anything else or any other outside factors. But I thought Laura Donnelly embodied this perfectly. Um, she knows that the viewer is going to have limited information about her background and what's going on. And she uses that to her advantage as she's delivering lines. And um, much like what I talked about with Gail Garcia Bernal, just kind of revealing tidbits of information when she's ready to do so, when she feels the audience is ready to do so. And obviously working with director Michael Giacchino and, and the, the screenwriters to uh, make sure the story is being told um, really well. The The other part of her performance that I really liked is that this, this film does have some horror elements in it, as you might expect. They are uh, campier, older horror elements, but in a way, like it's it's almost more impressive that she was able to nail those because those are from a time um, prior to what's going on in modern horror, and she stepped into it so nicely. She was able to really perfectly play it the way that you would expect a 1930s, 1940s creature feature um, to be played. Um, I think of like Creature of the Black Lagoon and, and some films like that. Uh, she just really stepped into that role and understood the genre and understood how she fit into the total puzzle here. And I loved what she brought to the table. So Laura Donnelly as Elsa Bloodstone, I hope we see her again in the cinematic universe sooner rather than later. All right. To shock our listeners immediately. I also picked Laura Donnelly, (laughs) Laura Donnelly, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, I, she's a Northern Irish actress. Uh, You know, I can say this because I'm Irish and uh, everyone's allowed to make fun of the Irish that as well. So Laura Donnelly, uh, I forgot. I was like watching this and I said, her face looks so familiar. Yes. And she has, maybe about 20 credits or something like that uh, to her name uh, on IMDb. And one of them is this HBO series called The Nevers, which released and is probably erased. It's probably one of the great uh, deletions from from Warner Brothers. But this show called The Nevers, it was like this band of women who were suddenly uh, entrusted with these powers. uh, So she's been in this mystical world before. The show didn't really take off. It did okay. But I was like, this... This woman is very familiar, and I was super excited to draw that connection, draw that that line. So hopefully, if you're a the Nevers fan, uh, you were you were very excited when she stepped onto the screen. Very just powerful when she steps onto the screen. I mean, there is no part of her who has to fake it, or there's not a moment where you don't believe her. She steps in. She's like, this is my house. This is my bloodstone. That's my stinking name. And this is mine. I'm going to kill all you fools when she steps onto the, uh, on into the, the grand ballroom, if you will. Um, I, I just thought that the power and the command of that did not 
falter at all, even when she was uh, allowing herself to trust people, specifically Gail Garcia Bernal's character, Jack Russell, and really decide, all right, I won't kill you. Maybe I'll use you. Um, But she was a very good study of character because that was only for a glimpse. And then she said, nope, no need to kill you you can be an ally and a trusted ally. So that level of, of, of building out those relationships was very strong with her, that um, confidence and character study of knowing exactly who she was for a person, a character who does know exactly who they are. Very strong, very, I wouldn't say it's not a unique choice, but it's very easy to just say you are and then versus make the audience really believe you are. Anyone can walk in with a confident air to them, uh, confident physicality, but she really just did not stop. Uh, and and from all of her different fight scenes to the characters she had to uh, stab, slice, behead, whatever, uh, it was just really, really an exciting uh, arc uh, as we first saw her as the heir of the throne, give me my money to no, uh, I, I, le- I literally will kill you for it. I promise you I'm really good at that. And then proving that on screen. So, Laura Donnelly, ladies and gentlemen, uh, move over, uh, Black Widow, and anyone else who is looking for this uh, uh, all-star female role. She is the one from Northern Ireland. Very good. Yes, I, I wholeheartedly agree with all of that sentiment. So, let's talk about the production, Kirk. Let's talk about, because th- this is the interesting part, I think. Uh, among other things. I think the whole thing is very interesting, but the thing that is going to jump out to people when they see the trailer, when they see the, you know, the title treatments and the marketing materials is this looks like a early 1900s, um, you know, creature feature. It looks like an early 1900s monster movie. And Michael Giacchino went to great lengths to be able to do that. So let's, let's talk about it and let's start with showstopper. I think for me, my showstopper, obviously this thing is very stylish, and I love the stylistic touch here. I think it's a lovely homage to that genre. He obviously knows it quite well. Um, and it is a true homage, I would say, too, rather than being something that is, you know, it's an homage in the sense that it feels totally its own while also paying tribute to the great features that came before it without feeling um, super copycatty, which is nice. Uh, but what I love about this outside of the stylist stylishness is how he remains high concept with it. Meaning that this thing is exactly what I said at the outset, a group of monster hunters show up at the funeral of their leader and have to figure out who's going to be the new leader. That's the concept. It's straight to the brain. He never diverts from it. And in the Marvel cinematic universe, that is so difficult to do and many people who have recently really good directors and really good writers who have taken on recent marvel projects have struggled to do that and sure maybe they were asked to dabble more so they couldn't remain as high concept but in this case he really said this is a monster movie period end of story sure there are characters that people will recognize like man thing and elsa bloodstone the and and you know jack like the, the fans are going to recognize those characters, but I'm not here to make a fan movie. I'm not here to make a Marvel movie. I'm here to make a werewolf movie that happens to take place in the Marvel universe with characters that are pre-existing. And he stayed true to that all the way through. It never wavered. And 
the whole project benefits as a result. I just love how simple he kept it. There were so many situations where they could have used dialogue to talk about things that are irrelevant to what's happening now, but might be relevant down the line. And he never took the bait. He never took the opportunity to over-explain. He trusted his audience. He trusted that he can make this thing simple and that we would come back asking the right questions and asking for more. And that's exactly what has happened with me. I loved what we saw. Um, I, I love that he kept it simple. And I think that the whole thing works because it doesn't step out too far outside of what it is meant to be. And ultimately what we're left with is a really slick, really fun, um, Halloweeny, spooky, a monster movie that takes place in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And if you're a Marvel fan, I don't think you can ask for much more than that. Like, the there are so many disadvantages to the world of the Marvel Cinematic Universe expanding. You know, we, we've seen it, right? Like, there gets to be too many pieces. Uh, it dilutes the product a little bit because some of, like, uh, undoubtedly some of them will not be as good. They can't keep the same content of quality or, or quality of content as they scale. We've seen all that happening with the shows and the recent movies that have come out, but this is the good side. This is the good side of span, expanding the Marvel universe is that you can go look at this weird thing that we're able to do now because people love the Marvel movies. Look at this really cool project that we were able to spin up. And that's why um, this is just awesome. So keeping it high concept, keeping it simple, without being tempted to to dabble into the larger Marvel universe is great. A plus for Michael Giacchino loved it. Michael Giacchino. One other thing that he is really good at in my showstopper is the actual werewolf in werewolf by night. Can you see my air quotes? If you're watching on the video on YouTube, uh, don't forget we're on YouTube. Shameless plug. I, was just enamored by the werewolf shots. It was very similar to me. If you've seen Teen Wolf, I'm trying to think of like the other big wolf properties, werewolf properties. I mean, get rid of like, not Teen Wolf MTV. I'm talking about Michael J. Fox, Teen Wolf, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, when you first see him, you see his eyes, you see his claws, you see the fur popping out from his clothes, right? And that is not because of Teen Wolf, Michael J. Fox. It's because of from this era, from Fright Night kind of shows and movies and specials that came out back in the day from their original source material. That's how it came out. And there's something so tried and true about that that makes audiences be able to see just enough for for their their skin to crawl a little bit, but not too much to give away that yeah it's a guy in a wolf costume <laughs> it's you know you know what it is when you when you really think about it but the 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 camera work the cinematography cinematography specifically for the wolf reveal uh, of Gael Garcia Bernal Jack Russell Terrier <laughs> I mean it's just beautiful you have these close-ups you have you have the clothes you have uh, the the full body, but only from the back, but not like a full blown, like full, fully lit 
scene uh, of, of his full frame. It's really just these, you're just hoping to see the whole thing and they never quite give it to us on purpose. Blink and you miss it. I think there's probably two to three shots that are all like one second or less before they cut away. But otherwise you are just grasping, trying to keep up with the movements of the werewolf, which is exactly the way the camera wants your eyes to move. It wants your body to move. I kid you not. I was watching this at midnight and my body was moving left to right. And my, my wife who was dead asleep, just started also turning because the bed was shaking as I was trying to, uh, just kind of become the werewolf with him. It's, it's that kind of art. And I don't know if they realize it uh, when they're making it, or if it's just a residual effect of all of the work put in that they're, they're excited to hear what kind of feedback it is, but that is what makes all of this so much fun and just makes me giddy when I think about it. So the camera work for the werewolf is so high on my list. I absolutely loved it. Yeah, that's a good call. I think like, you know, it's just great monster work and monster movies are such a cool thing. There's, there's such an interesting subgenre within horror. And especially when you talk about these older films that this, that this film was sort of meant to emulate, um, they're just their own thing and, and they're so delightful and, and oftentimes just so wonderfully campy and great. And I just love the way that they captured it in this one. Um, for director shoes, I really don't have a lot. <laughs> I really did um, just really enjoy this. I felt like there were a few opportunities to kind of sharpen things in terms of like the actual storytelling. Like there were some times where, um, I feel like particularly at the beginning of the hunt where we're just kind of like wandering around somewhat aimlessly um, before things really pick up and you understand what the purpose is. You know, when, when they reveal like man thing is the monster Jack knows man thing, you know, the whole story with man thing is that he, he you know, he was a person who be, he turned himself into a monster. Um, so that reveal, um, I don't know from, from the point of like, we know we're going to have to get the bloodstone to like that reveal is just a little bit of dead time. But I mean, we're talking really nitpicky here. I think that this, you know, this thing, it, it obviously doesn't suffer too bad from pacing because it's only 54 minutes and they get their point across. Um, um, but that's, that's really it for me. I, I don't really have much more beyond that other than I don't think it's like a perfectly tight 54. I think there's a little bit of dead time in there, but nothing that's really going to make your hair stand up. Wonderful. I agree with that. I fully agree with that. Mine also revolves around the hunt. I wasn't thrilled that it was like a hunger game style uh, event, right? Like the goal, the, the gift is the bloodstone. I wish that creatively there would have been something else at stake, right? They all came these very wise, these very skilled, these very rich, these very narcissistic people came to get this bloodstone uh, gem that could help them rule the world or whatever. And you would think that there was some other collateral that might also be offered, right? Because 
Maybe not every one of them is like a warrior that's ready to kill anyone at any moment. Maybe they hire people, right? Because they're fancy. Maybe they hire people to kill to kill for them. So collateral, like um, they're help. They would have they would have revealed like, hey, there's weapons in the garden, like they like they say in the in the special here. And then they say also, if you don't do it, we have your family held hostage. We have uh, all of your money. We've somehow gained access to it. We have uh, this this horrible thing about your reputation that we're going to reveal to all of your colleagues and family. Like, I just wish the, the stakes would have been a little bit higher with that instead of, all right, go kill each other and whoever gets the bloodstone gets the bloodstone. I wish that there was a little bit more sinisterness on top of it. I feel like that would have made it even more uh, thrust into the Twilight Zone level because there's always so many layers from, from this era here. That would have really sent me over the edge. Uh, that's super nitpicky uh, as well, but I... I feel like it needed that to raise the stakes just a little bit higher. No, I think you're right. And I, I feel like that's, that's revealing something for me too, because there, there was a sense there, there was something here where, you know, I, I couldn't really put my finger on it. And that's why I kind of said like, I feel like there's just like a bit of a deadness and it's, it's not so much that like the time is being spent ineffectively. I think it's more so that like, there's a period of time where you don't know how to feel. You don't know what's at stake. You don't know what's, on the line and, and who you care about and why you care. Um, so yeah, I think that, I think that you're exactly right. I think that would have helped a lot to sort of like, I mean, you've got the, uh, the lovely Harriet Sansom Harris who, uh, I mean, I just, uh, she's been around for so long playing roles like this being perfectly beautifully sinister for years and years and years. Uh, like, like, she does a great job of driving that sinisterness by herself, but give her give her something big, you know? Like yeah. it helps at the end whenever she's like, We're gonna let the werewolf kill Elsa. You know, that 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 definitely helps. But during the hunt, it's like, yeah, what what's what she got in this? What does she want? You know, what what kind of evil th- tricks does she have up her sleeve? Um, I, I buy that. All right, let's uh let's talk final thoughts and scores of Werewolf by Night. I'll kick us off. Um Ultimately, just really pleasantly surprised with this. Not that I was expecting it to be bad. I wasn't expecting it to be overwhelmingly good. I didn't really know what to expect. I was excited as soon as I heard about this project because I was excited that Michael Giacchino was directing it to get another look at that. I was excited that we were getting some more obscure characters. I was thrilled when I saw the trailer and that we were going to a full um, creature feature motif and aesthetic. I, I think it was the right move. I think the directorial choices in this were sharp. I think it was artfully designed, great practical effects, great character design. I mean, we didn't even really get to talk about it. Man-Thing looked excellent, excellent, excellent. Um, I really thought the whole production design and aesthetic came together so beautifully. The character work, though limited, was sharp and... Um, they just did a really solid job pulling this together. I think it's a shame a little bit that they couldn't turn this into another, you know, give us another 30 minutes up the ante a little bit and turn it into a movie. You wouldn't really have to blow out the story too much more to make that happen. Um, so that's just me being selfish and thinking this thing could really be a feature film, but as it is, it's just, it's really great. It, it works really well. And I'm giving it a 9.4 out of 10 kernels wow that's a nice score there thanks man i had a, i had a good time kirk i really enjoyed myself I, you're up 
Yeah, me too. Me too. I would say that I also thoroughly enjoyed my time watching Werewolf by Night. I I really can't pick this thing apart like it was so easy to do with some of our other (laughs) recent reviews. Uh, Check them out on any podcast that you love. And I, man, I wish I could explain my score more. It's slightly lower than yours. I do agree that this absolutely could have been into a 90 minute feature. And also at the same, to the same effect, why can't this just be called a Marvel film and be 55 minutes long? Like why, what's the, is it always 90 minutes? That's the cutoff 75 minutes. Like what is it that qualifies that? Like why couldn't they say the newest Marvel studios film? Uh, Couldn't they have released this to theaters and made like buku bucks because it's only an hour and they could just like turn that theater over and over again. I don't know. I feel like they could, I feel like they absolutely could. Uh, And maybe it was the risk was too high for the, uh, for the producers to say, I don't know what the reception is going to be, but man, they've been really high. Marvel has on some other properties and the outcome was not that great. And then this one, they're like, yeah, here's a softball. What do you think? And absolutely stellar all around. Uh, I do appreciate the other extraneous characters in the cast that are like super creepy. We don't know their background, but we see them multiple times. So they don't just seem like extras. They seem like, I don't know your name. Um, I know you probably have a listed name, but you're a threat and I'm going to see what happens when you attack. And the, the character design behind each of them was pretty cool it was also very much so what this would have been like uh in the era that these films and and tv specials were produced so i really liked that too so my score is very favorable as well i'm going with an 8.9 out of 10 kernels today for the popcorn for breakfast podcast check us out all right and that is our review of werewolf by night i think you know i I don't know like it's so interesting. I'm so hot and cold on Marvel these days. I feel like there are things that they've been doing really well, and there are other things that they haven't been doing really well. It's like, on the one hand, I don't want to say let's get rid of all the shows because some of them have been really great. Um, and on the other hand, I'm like, let's find other things to do. But then then they throw this curveball in the mix, and it's like beautiful and perfect and great. Um and it's like, man, I want more of that. But like, what even is that? It, it's it's not a movie. It's not a TV right. show. It's just its own thing. But like, if they if they did this with other smaller characters, I think that would be. It's a cool way to intro a character. It's very unique. Can you hear me at all? It really is. Thing? It really is. I I can. I can. Uh, just for the <laughs> listeners, I've uh, as Cameron has been speaking, I have put on in a, a glorious werewolf by night. Uh, head fixture, headdress, if you will, and uh, I am I am fully in, engulfed now in my werewolf form. <laughs> is that a werewolf? What is it? No, <laughs> it's like a I moose. It's a, I think it's a bison. <laughs> <laughs> well, I love it anyway. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see where Marvel goes. I think they they're doing a lot of soul searching right now, but. This was a this was a move in the win column, and I'm not sure they've had a lot of definitive wins. That's not to say that they've had a lot of definitive losses recently, but I do think it's been hard to say, yes, that was a net positive to their portfolio recently, but in this case, 
it sounds like you and I are both in agreement. This was a winner and we were excited to see it. So thank you all so much for listening to this episode. We do not know what's on the docket for next week. We will take a look at what's coming out. We'll take a look at the box office, see what you guys are watching. As always, if you have suggestions for stuff you want us to talk about, movies you're planning on seeing this weekend, let us know. We want to hear. And uh, you never know. It could end up on the podcast. But until that time, we want to give a special thanks to our executive producer, Ryan Spriggs. And our original music is created by the band Rhetoric. Check them out anywhere you listen to music. And we will see you guys next week. Talk to you then. Ooh.